The Gucci Girl, Prada Professional, Coach Queen, or Target Trendsetter. No matter how you describe her, she's the most powerful consumer in the country. Join marketing to women expert Maria Ritan, principal at Top Sale Strategies, as she chats with those in the know so that your business can grow only on purse strings. Good afternoon and welcome to Purse Strings. I'm Maria Retan. Thanks so much for joining me today. You can catch Purse Strings right here every Tuesday at 3 o'clock Eastern Time. Each and every week, you'll learn how you, your company, can corner the market on the most powerful consumer in the country, the 51% of us who control more than 80% of all the spending. The woman. Well, first up, uh, in eMarketing Daily, an article I read on the Internet of Things. Now, you know the Internet of Things. I've talked about it before. It's described as an interconnected ecosystem of Internet enabled objects. So it might be devices, sensors, microprocessors, data hubs, networks, artificial intelligence software, analytics programs. It goes on and on and on and on. Well, this article really took a look about how it's being used in the retail industry, and we all know retailers have been in a world of hurt these days. Well, they're kind of early adopters to the Internet of Things, according to a new eMarketer report called the Internet of Retail Things, What Marketers Need to Know. And they're saying that the Internet of Things is poised to dramatically change the way companies do business in the next three years. So you as a consumer are going to see a lot of different things happening. Some things you'll be the benefactor of because it'll be back-end stuff like supply chain monitoring, inventory management and asset tracking, and payment processing as some examples. According to Juniper Research, they're forecasting that by 2020, retailers worldwide will spend $2.5 billion with a B and Internet of Things Internet of Things related hardware. Now that includes beacons, RFID tags, and other types of sensors, as well as installation cost. Now they really need to do this because retailers need to drive sales. They need to increase margins. They need to increase loyalty, which will drive repeat business. And uh, it's really a survivor move for them. So just really interesting, again, to see how the Internet of Change is really changing life for many of us. And as consumers, hopefully it means good things are coming our way. Our first profile today is the Alpha Mom. The Alpha Mom uh, is a large group of women, 1.6 million of women out there, median age of 39, college grads, married, employed full-time, and of course, their moms. So they have kids in the household. Uh, they like to keep up with fashion. Fashion magazines help determine the clothes that they buy. Every season, they're buying the latest fashions. Uh, they consider themselves to be influential trendsetters among their friends to try new things and not just new styles. They shop new stores, and in fact, people come to them for advice. They're confident, they say, and embrace their individualism. They also describe themselves as a workaholic trying to get to the top of their career and willing to give up some time with their family in order to advance. They like to live in the moment and take advantage of life. Um, they do value quality, and that means they're willing to pay a little bit more for it. So they're not necessarily driven by, um, you know, the price tag, but more around the value. So at retail, they're they're shopping at Neiman Marcus, Ikea, Williams-Sonoma, to name a few. Um, they're driving Volvo, BMW, Volkswagen, and um, Barra Wang, Christian Dior, Prada, and Chanel are their top designers. So where can you intersect with our alpha mom? Well, she's reading Vogue, W, Better Homes and Gardens, In Style, Time Magazine. 
she's watching CNN to get her news, HGTV, Discovery Channel, uh, Style, Bravo, Bravo, Lifetime, and E. And uh, she's online at a lot of those same corresponding types of cable outlets along with Travelocity and eBay. Well, my guest today uh, knows a lot about women because she's co-founded a women's leadership development program way back in 1997 that's still running today. Marsha Hyatt is a leadership and life coach. She's based in Lutzen, Minnesota. Uh, She spent the first part of her career working inside companies, government, higher ed, and nonprofits. And from there, she realized that there was a better way and she co-founded the Center for Emerging Leadership. She shares her wisdom on weekly podcasts called The Best of Ourselves, and she's here today to talk about specifically the challenges that women in leadership face, first in even becoming a leader, what being a leader really means today for women, and uh, what it means really uh, when compared to men. Um, and why sometimes that can be a challenge. So you're going to want to stick around for this interview. Marsha Hyatt returns when Purse Strings returns after the break. Purse Strings will be right back after a word from our advertisers. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts, but did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Reinventing keyword research, simplifying campaign optimization, redefining competitive analysis, SpyFu brings you an entirely new way to find the most profitable keywords for your SEO and PPC campaigns. New tools, new data, and a brand new look. We've streamlined SpyFu so that you can optimize your search engine marketing more efficiently, more accurately, and more intuitively. Visit SpyFu.com, that's S-P-Y-F-U.com, and start downloading your competitors' keywords now. Try it free. Purse Strings is back with the inside track on today's women. Once again, here's Maria Rutan. And welcome back to Purse Strings. My guest today is Marsha Hyatt, a leadership and life coach. Uh, Marsha's experience working inside corporations, government, higher education, and nonprofits. And she co-founded a leadership consulting firm back in 1991. And then in 1997, co-founded a public women's leadership development program, which is still operating today. She also co-founded, you're seeing a trend here, the Center for Emerging Leadership. And she hosts a weekly podcast called The best of ourselves. And I'm really excited to have Marsha on the show today. Welcome, Marsha. 
Thank you. Nice to be here. Well, it's nice to have you. You know, I should say you're also based in Lutzen, Minnesota, which is a beautiful part of the world. Actually, one of my my favorite places, Marcia. That must be very inspiring. It is. It's very grounding. It's not. Um, it's not where a lot of people live. It's up in the woods. But for me, it it helps me be grounded with um, all that life. All the demands of life. Yes, exactly. It gives you probably some perspective. And you do deal with, you know, pretty heady topics. So before we dive into all the the details, tell everybody what inspires you to do the work that you do around leadership development and coaching. I love leadership development because over the years, it's evolved for me that it used to be about acquiring, you know, skills and abilities. And it's evolved to how do we show up as our best self? There's a wonderful quote by Warren Bennis. He was considered the grandfather of leadership development. And he said, becoming a leader is synonymous with becoming yourself. It's precisely that simple. And it's also that difficult. And that has been how I've evolved too. that leadership development is about increasing self-awareness and our capacity to show up as our best self. Mm. Yes, and as you said, it uh, sounds simple, but also very difficult. It um, is. <laughs> really difficult. You, more than anyone, would know because you work with people ev- every day to try to be their best selves. And you have, again, profound experience in the space. My little intro to you didn't do you justice. Um, but I will say it was your focus on women's leadership specifically that really captured my attention, as it would, being mm-hmm. this is purse strings. Um, talk a little bit about how your work with women leaders, it may be different a little bit than that of men. Well, it started in the, in the 90s when I was inside an organization uh, leading and <laughs> exhausted and sitting around the kitchen table with a couple of other women who also held uh, leadership jobs. And we just, I said, there's just got to be a better way. There's just mm-hmm. got to be a better way. And we were noticing how a lot of the leadership training we were in was trying to mold us into something that we weren't, trying to give us attributes that were not our strengths. I thought, well, that, that, that's kind of funny. But the other thing that's a, uh, that I've learned over the years, that women swim in different waters than men. Uh, it's, a lot of it is invisible. Uh, but, and the recent research, because yes, we've made strides, absolutely, and The recent research says at least three quarters of us still swim in different waters, meaning we're judged differently, often unconsciously uh, different. And if we don't understand that, uh, we can internalize that and think, gosh, what's wrong with me? Why am I not being seen or valued or why are people finding my assertiveness offensive? Um, And so it's really helpful uh, for women to find their own images of leadership and also to understand that they have to navigate uh, a world of of some unconscious bias. Mm-hmm. Exactly, I, I, and you're right. There's been a lot of research in this area, a lot of books written about it. Really, a lot about the challenges of retaining um, women in leadership, either getting them there, retaining them. Um, a lot of women are choosing to bow out. We have a dearth of women at the highest levels within our companies. I know I specifically have talked a lot about sponsorship versus mentorship on this program, the need for men to advocate for women in the workplace. I mean, it just goes on and on and on and on, and I'm sure you're well-versed in all of those things. But when it comes down to it, what do you think the real underlying issues facing women are when it comes to leadership? 
Mm. Or maybe even the largest ones, the most compelling ones. Well, oh boy, there are several. Well, there are many. One thing that comes to mind is just what I was talking about in terms of um, unconscious bias. It's not. It's often not malice. It's just we don't see. Um, for example, if, I don't know if you're familiar, Maria, with the auditions for orchestras that happened. Uh, they switched how they did it in the 80s, and they did a blind mm-hmm. audition, right? Right, and I've heard about you that. You know that yes. one? And so they uh-huh. told the women, don't wear high heels so they can't tell. And all of a sudden, there's all sorts of women being hired. Or... I don't know if you've heard about the transgender professors. Um, one in uh, at Stanford who was a neurobiologist, and he uh, became a he. And he heard shortly after he did this switch of gender, uh, he heard he gave a seminar, and he heard his colleagues overheard his colleagues say, "Gee, Ben Barris is is just brilliant and so much better than his sister." <laughs> oh and, my you know, gosh! Isn't it? And then crazy. The, the exact same thing happened to a professor at University of Chicago where uh, uh, a man became a woman. And what he noticed was, gosh, I'm getting interrupted more. And gosh, people aren't taking my points as seriously unless they're reinforced by a man. And he said, that never happened to me when I was Donald. And so those things that we don't necessarily see uh, are there and they're pervasive. And uh, we often think, again, that a lot of young women tell me that's not the case anymore. It's like, well, it, I... I it, it's not everywhere, but it's still three-quarters of the women in the most recent research are still saying, you're going to have to navigate some of this. Um, the other thing that I think women struggle with, and I know men struggle with this too, is that we have a bias for the archetypal masculine. We have a bias for action and logic and linear and, um, and don't always see and appreciate the archetypal feminine, um, heart, hearth, relationship, uh, inclusion. And so this is an issue for men and women, both. However, a lot of women really feel that dissonance. Uh, they really feel like a, a divided life, um, as Parker Palmer talks about it. The undivided life is where the inside and the outside match. And a lot of women feel that, like, wait a minute, I'm, having to, I'm losing some parts of myself here to survive. And that becomes quite painful. Well, and what you're describing, too, I would think would be two separate styles of leadership as well, right? There's the archetypal uh, male leadership model, and then there's a feminine leadership model, stereotypical, of course, a little bit, uh, a leadership model, but they are different. But at the end of the day, they can either can lead, it just may be a different approach, and um I've talked here about anyone really leading at any level in their career as well. It's not something you you attain, to, you know, that you really can become a leader as a junior member of a team. And it isn't about being the CEO always or being one of the most, you know, a senior VP in the room. Um, do you feel like people understand that? And do you also feel like maybe women, because there's that archetypal, Typical uh, linear male leadership model that maybe they lack confidence in owning their ability to lead, yeah. no matter their rank. Well, I, yeah, I think confidence um, does show up. I mean, I have I was working with a, a woman, uh, the highest ranking in her organization, and she said, "I don't, I don't let anybody see how I actually lead," which was much more relational and inclusionary. She's because um, I wouldn't be viewed as a leader if that was seen. Mm. 
And uh, I think uh, I think of Joyce Fletcher's work, uh, Disappearing Acts, and she talks about women that that do incorporate uh, incorporate the feminine. And let me just say, I think the strongest leaders, both the feminine and the masculine, the whole of the whole package. But but women that have incorporated the feminine, uh, relational leading, uh, don't get seen as leaders because it's expected that that's just what would a woman do. But if a guy does it. Um, based on Joyce Fletcher's research, he gets credit for having uh, emotional intelligence. Uh, but but the part that was like sort of the, the really sad part for me was that the women didn't even view themselves as leaders when they were doing and getting great results and doing it in a way that was empowering and involving. But they not only were they disappeared by the hierarchy, they disappeared themselves. They didn't own it, name it. So I think that's one piece. It's just naming it and seeing it. Um, and for a lot of women, it's about how, how do we keep ourselves small, thinking we somehow are going to be safe? What messages do we get uh, that aren't ours, you know, that are just kind of layers that we have to unpeel to get to the core of who we are and knowing that that is enough? Mm-hmm. I, I think ultimately we all want to just be ourselves and own our ourselves. Um, and to your point about the one woman who didn't want to reveal the way she really led, I think she probably wasn't really revealing all of herself. Mm-hmm. So, but do you ultimately think women can be themselves and still be successful in today's corporate environment? Or do we still need to kind of hide a little bit of that? <laughs> oh, it breaks my heart when you say that, but it's... Um... Uh, it breaks my heart to ask you that, actually. <laughs> Uh, I mean, there's there's a couple of layers to that. I don't think it's sustainable for anybody um, to show up uh, with a the facade or the mask or whatever. I, I just don't. It, we wear out. It just doesn't work. And yet, uh, I think to succeed, we are required to have a high level of emotional intelligence, a high level of understanding that stuff we might be experiencing is not personal. Uh, to understand that most of what people do to us is projection, so we can, you know, do, how to hit the reset button and focus on what matters most, um, and and to know that back to the Warren Bennis quote, being myself is where my power is. Uh, I, I have the capacity to be both. Um, open-hearted and genuine and strong. I love a lot of leadership research says this is a combination of chutzpah and humility or uh, heart and courage, that combination. And so we have to find our own unique way to to live that. And we need to be strategic. I think a lot of women just think if I do, I, I, I did this, I need to own this, I did this, where I thought if I just work really hard and do really, really good work, I will be seen and it will be appreciated. And I wasn't um, getting on the balcony or getting a strategic view and thinking more strategically about, um, well, how, how do I get the kind of support I might need? Because we navigate different patterns, like women, for example, uh, are promoted based on proving it again and again, where men are promoted based on potential. That's like three-quarters of the case. Well, then, okay, uh, I need to think about that. How do I make what I do seen? Um, there was just a recent, I don't know if you saw this, recent study um, out of Harvard looking at why there weren't more senior faculty and uh, economists. And what they found was women that co-published were not given credit 
for that publication. Hmm. Men who co-published were given credit for that publication. And therefore, uh, men were promoted at a higher rate because economics is a fairly collaborative field. And so, okay, get in the balcony and see that. And then I have some choices like... um, be the single author. Right. <laughs> you know, I was You know, I maybe even help educate the committees uh, on this bias. A lot of it is naming it. If the more we can find ways to name with humor and kindness some of these patterns, uh, the more we might be able to find advocates, both men and women, to help out some of these unconscious, unconscious biases. Right. And some of it's unconscious, and some of it's, I think, very conscious. I mean, um, you know, I at one point it used to be that we didn't have a lot of women role models in the highest of ranks of business. I think today we have more and more of them. But what's happening to them, um, as I watch from the sidelines, I'm appalled because it's almost like they reach it, they reach that ultimate mountaintop, and yet it's so hard to hang on and be authentic to who they are and not get vilified for it. I mean, just a few examples. The very obvious ones, of course, is Yahoo's Marissa Meyer, Facebook, Sheryl Sandberg, of course, Hillary Clinton. Uh, You know, Meyer, right after she took over at Yahoo, she had to take maternity leave, right? So she was criticized for that. And then she comes back and she was criticized for being, you know, too involved in the day-to-day, a micromanager. (laughs) And then, you know, Sandberg, her book Lean In broke all kinds of ground. She got all kinds of accolades and then people turned on her, right? And then she, Mm -hmm. and suddenly she, you know, became beaten down for actually those same ideas. And I mean, Hillary Clinton, any given day, let's just don't even talk about the 9 million ways that (laughs) she gets taken apart. I mean, it's, it's whether you agree with her politics or not, as a human being, she is under uh, intense scrutiny in ways that I don't know that um, necessarily a man would be. So, why is there this apparent need to focus on women leaders as women and not as li- the leaders that they are and really mm-hmm. taking these pot shots at them, you know, building them up only to bring them down? Yeah, that's such a great question. Uh, I have theories. I don't have answers on that one. I think one of the th- theories is they violate our stereotype of femininity and so, like, take the uh, the Meyer example. You know, she got criticized for taking maternity leave and criticized for working. Um, in, in the research, the maternal wall, as Joan Williams calls it in her book, um, What Works for Women at Work, the maternal wall, women, mothers, actually experience more prejudice. Uh, all the other prejudices elevate it because there's some funny assumption you can either be a good mom or a good worker. It's really, really hard to, to navigate that. And um, as Sheryl Sandberg pointed out beautifully, is success and likability are negatively correlated for women. Um, and so you look at that tightrope. We, ha- I mean, I, I expect you have too, Maria. I've, I've experienced this tightrope of... Oh, yeah, you know, I have. Too, too str- <laughs> you're, too, you're being too strong. I remember having a boss say, oh, you're intimidating people. Um, this is way back. I was in a computer company. You're, being, you're too intimidating. You lean forward and you express your opinion really freely. You need to tone it down. Okay, okay, okay. And, you know, I was young. Okay, okay. Um, and so that, that same boss, like a year later, said, well, you're, you're, you're being too soft. I mean, you're uh, using yeah. waffle words. You're not being declarative. And it's like, 
that too hard, too soft is so hard to navigate. And we are so attached in our culture to the image of the hero leader, the one that's, you know, out in front and strong and going to tell us who we can be and how to get there. And even though research says that's not the kind of leadership that gets the great results, we just, we really, really love that image of someone's going to save us. And for, but if a woman tries to portray that, um, it, it goes against what we think a woman is. Um, that's my theory anyway. Uh, and, and women, and what is particularly hard is women are as harsh as anybody on each other. Uh, when it comes to, I'm, I, I was talking to a woman uh, about Hillary Clinton, and she goes, I don't know, I just don't like her. <laughs> so, well, you know, I, I, I know her so well. <laughs> no, I, yeah, it's like so. What? Do you, what? What's the data? I don't. You know, I don't know. And and that I think that we a lot of us carry that, and we need to look to ourselves because I think we have disowned in ourselves um, some of those the feminine gifts or that struggle. And the more we can own it in ourselves, the more we can be there for each other. Well, I know there's no simple answer on that one, Marsha. I know that's a difficult one. And if we knew that, we probably could solve a lot of the world's problems, right? But- yeah, well, that's it. And, and this, is where, this is where I think I love Brene Brown's work. It's like, you know, um, you're going to put yourself out there. You're going to get attacked. That's just kind of the way it is. You, if you have the courage to have a voice, know um, that there are going to be pot shots. And you've got to be uh, resilient. You've got to learn how to... Uh, not take that in. I mean, not to, you've got to be open to learning and growing and all that, but there are going to be a lot of folks that, for whatever reason in their personal journey, find their power in by attacking others. And it, you just can't have that be a representation of who you are. That's right. You can't take that on. You can't take mm-hmm. that hate on. It's not yours to take on frankly. Um, Marsha, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about your crystal ball. (laughs) Because I know you have one. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So everybody stick around. More from Marsha Hyatt when we return in just a moment. Her Strings will be right back after a word from our advertisers. Are you paying too much for your paid advertising? Or have you quit altogether because it seemed like a huge waste of money? I'm David Ogletree, president of WME Training. Did you know that companies waste 25% of their PPC spend on average? At WME Training, we can show you how to make your AdWords account a lean, mean, converting machine. Whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level, we have a class for you. Contact the marketing experts at WMETraining.com. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, So Social, the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your Facebook contests and sweepstakes. Create a fun, easy-to-win contest by writing a simple Facebook post. Watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction. Track your traffic and generate email lists with ease. So Social is mobile-friendly and complies with Facebook terms of service. Let So Social give your Facebook page some flash today. Zoom over to zosocial.com. Conversion Conference, the can't-miss CRO event of 2016. Join over 750 people from dozens of countries gathering in Las Vegas, May 18th and 19th, for the biggest industry-wide conversion event ever. 
Four parallel tracks of top content will allow you to personalize the exact topics that you want to focus on. Interact with expert speakers at informal networking events and birds of a feather lunch table topics. Meet dozens of leading CRO companies face-to-face in the expo hall. Get hands-on with pre-conference workshops and master classes. Join us for fun activities such as zip lining and Tim Ash's after party in the presidential suite. Oh yeah, did we mention that it's in Vegas, baby? May 18th and 19th. Conversion Conference last year sold out fast, and it's expected to sell out again. So don't miss it. Go to conversionconference.com for details right now. Her Strings is back with the inside track on today's women. Once again, here's Maria Retan. Welcome back. I've been talking today with Marsha Hyatt, a leadership and life coach based in Lutzen, Minnesota. She's the co-founder of the Center of Emerging Leadership and a women's leadership development program. Uh, she's also the host of a weekly podcast series called The Best of Ourselves. And we've been diving deep into women in leadership issues and really this fine line women have to walk between not being too feminine, but trying to fit within a masculine linear type of leadership style and why is that and as women leaders how can we lead more authentically really bring our true selves to the forefront and lead in a way that we're meant to lead and that's really the hundred million dollar question is how do we do that um so how do how do we lead authentically marcia as multifaceted humans, not just women, but yeah. very complex human beings that aren't one thing or the other. We're many things. And how do we do that with integrity? Yeah. The first place to start, I think, is self-awareness. The more you give yourself, I think we're particularly vulnerable. I know I was. Uh, to just keep moving and reacting and moving and reacting both to family and work experiences and numbing out to ourselves and numbing out to parts of ourselves that are repressed or not al- we're not allowing to show up. And so I, that creating some space, I know this sounds almost impossible, but to create some space where we just watch ourselves a little bit and we'll Watch what is it that I need and what is it that I am denying in myself. A lot of women that I work with, you won't be surprised, totally deny self-care as mm-hmm. something that they need in their life. And yet, it's a, it's a strategic act. Self-care, meaning sleep, eating right, um, giving yourself some space to f- reflect on what matters most, is essential for us to be resilient and to keep growing uh, into the best of ourselves. It's, it's impossible to do it if we're just reacting, reacting, reacting all day long. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's interesting because I think we live in a world that is so fast. Mm-hmm. And we can get caught up in just reacting and not stepping back and having the time to really think about what it is that's important to us. Much less how to respond thoughtfully and authentically. Yeah. You know, I think we almost have to say to the world, wait, I'm not going to run on that treadmill. And that's really difficult, Marcia. It is really. It is difficult. That's the chutzpah part. I mean, it takes uh, either you hit the wall or um, you just say, wait a minute, there's got to be more. And uh, and there's some great research from Joanna Barsh. I don't know if you know her work, How Remarkable Women Lead. Mm -hmm. and. 
And she talks about how the resilience requires that we manage our energy in a way that's sustainable. And we know what matters most. We have a real strong sense of purpose and meaning. Uh, otherwise, it's, it's not sustainable. Uh, and there's more of that. But that stopping, uh, maybe challenging the assumption that there isn't enough time. Uh, John O'Donohue said once, before, just before he died in an interview, stress is a perverted relationship with time. And mm. what... What That's if meaningful? <laughs> isn't that lovely? Uh-huh. And so, what? What we assume the scarcity model around time. It's like you know what? If I took a little time to to be a bit more mindful, it will actually ripple in so many ways that I have the time because I'll be less reactive, more intentional, uh, have better energy to whatever I'm working on. Yeah. So we've talked a lot about women in leadership maybe why women haven't gotten to the top levels, other things that may be standing in our way. As a country, we seem to be a bit behind here. Um, Change has been slow. I mean, we are still talking about a woman president and haven't had one. Um, And yet, as you look across the world, there's entrenched female leadership that's, by the way, very successful. Why has the change been so slow in the U.S.? Maybe the same reasons that it's been slow for women in leadership, but just just mm-hmm. curious what you think. Yeah, I think it is, I think it's a couple things about our culture. I think we really are an achievement culture. Uh, we, we work a lot on facade and success and put a lot of value there. And that really, I think, correlates with the archetypal masculine in a, in a way that um, it's helpful to know. And uh, the other piece we were just talking about, when you are, it's all about do, do, do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very, very hard for us to appreciate um, that there might be another way of leading. And, you know, it's so funny because even though the evidence shows like women on board of directors uh, yes. and women who lead differently get great results, it doesn't, we don't take the time to actually take that in. <laughs> right. <laughs> and adapt just, and adapt our cultures. You know, yeah, we adapt yeah. our cultures. Yeah. yeah. It, um, you may be familiar with the Athena Doctrine, um, which I just found to be a fascinating read. And it did look at in-depth, in-depth research around really what leadership characteristics the world was asking for and they were very much feminine characteristics yeah collaboration empathy listening um and yet that's not necessarily being valued here in the u.s so it's the isn't it a funny irony i mean even though we might even put it a lot of corporations will put it in their value statements and in their even in their leadership competencies um but they won't necessarily actually value it. They won't necessarily see it as powerful. Uh, and yet I agree 100%. It's, it's part of our healing as a world um, is to bring in the feminine, bring in uh, the heart and the hearth. I don't know if you ever saw Hoop and Tree, but he talks about how you have to have both the masculine and the feminine. And he's, he has, he's talked about this Norse myth where uh, strength is a snake that's holding its own tail, sort of the, and destruction of the world happens when the snake doesn't hold on to the circle, and the snake, it doesn't have the feminine. That's when destruction of the world happens. And I, I feel that very strongly, that we have, it's a matter of our quality of our life, the quality of our earth, that we bring that feminine out in front and reintegrate it into 
hold us into ourselves and into our culture. Mm-hmm. So here's the crystal ball question. Are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> sure, I got it out. Okay, good. Woo, cool. Glad. Glad you got that crystal ball. Do you think that we'll actually see true change in our lifetime, Marsha? You're in my lifetime. And and in my lifetime, that's not a lot more years, really. And what about our our daughter's lifetime or their daughter's lifetime? Like what how much time are we talking here before we can actually see true change? Mm-hmm. Well, my crystal ball's a little cloudy, but uh, here's what I, here's what I'm getting is that I think we are experiencing the change and it's showing up sort of in a backwards way by a lot more backlash and a lot more anger. Um, and some to me, it feels like that's the ripple of change. Uh, I feel there's a lot more women circles happening in all kinds of venues, a lot more women supporting each other, learning how to support each other, a lot more men and women able to name what is missing in, in leadership and in our organizations and in our culture. So I, even, even though we're not there, I feel like, and this may be terribly optimistic, but I feel <laughs> like some of the backlash is a sign of the change happening. Mm. And if we can just hang in there and keep naming and keep getting regrounded on what matters most um, and be a voice for uh, the power that we as women bring to the table. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. Mm-hmm. If not our lifetime, certainly our daughters. I hope you're right, Marcia. I hope that crystal ball uh, gets some clarity when it does. Give me a call back and let me know. But I would love to believe that that is that is true. I would love for my daughters to be able to experience that and be the benefactor of that. Um, of course, we could use more time, but sadly we're out. And, but before we go, I do want to encourage everyone to go to MarciaHyatt.com. And also, you want to subscribe to the Best of Ourselves podcast. You can do that on iTunes. And uh, Marcia, any other way you would recommend people get in touch with you? No, that's terrific. Uh, those are the I, those are the ways I try to put out a force for reflection for for all of us uh, to be in the world. Well, thank you for making the time to be on the show today. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you, Maria. I loved your questions. Loved being with you. Thank you. Thank you, and thanks to my producer George. And join me right here next week for another edition of Purse Strings, three o'clock Eastern Time. Until then, make it a great one. The opinions expressed on this Cranberry Radio program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cranberry Media. Any redistribution of this content without proper consent is prohibited. 